welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. We're in our new series called Mountain. We just came out of Daniel's Scriptural Spiritual Awakening. We're in a series called uh, Mountain on the Sermon on the Mount. And like Jamal said, this is, this is about you. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is building character in you. He's telling us who we are. He said that we, he's just said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And now he's showing us what the kingdom looks like. And he's showing us what we look like in the kingdom as kingdom citizens. So we just talked about the Beatitudes last week, went through, went through all eight or nine of those, however many you think they are, there's debate on that. And, and I talked about blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And, and we talked about how we are blessed, and we're blessed in a different way than the world sees blessing. And the bottom line from last week was, if you live in the reality of blessing, you'll leave the wreckage of sin. And we talked about how we just need to live in blessing. Today we're talking about you are valuable. And, and like Adam read today, going to talk about salt and light. So Missy and I, we love watching tennis. Like, anyone love watching tennis? Like the majors? Yeah, yeah, like one of you. Uh, two of you. Come on, guys. Like, tennis is pretty awesome. Uh, I'm not a tennis player. We just love watching the majors, like the Aussie Open, French Open, uh, U.S. Open, Wimbledon, and, and we've been to the Rogers Cup a few times. We love going to the Rogers Cup. And we love Serena Williams. Uh, we love Rafael Nadal as our guy. Uh, any Nadal fans in the house? Most people, are like, most, like, people are like Federer fans, but Nadal is, is where it's at. We just love how he plays aggressively and, and all that. So our girls, they normally watch tennis with us. And, and uh, they, love, they love to watch it. So one day I was talking to the girls, and I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old, and my six-year-old, Reagan, she says, hey, Daddy, I'd love to take tennis lessons. I want to I wanna try, try playing tennis. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I, so I ask Emerson, my seven-year-old, I say, hey, Emerson, would you want to do it too? And she says, no, no, no. And I'm like, well, why not? She's like, oh, I'm scared. I'm like, why are you, why are you scared to take tennis lessons? And, and she said, well, I don't want all those people watching me. And I was like, who's going to watch? I don't, I don't get it. She's like, like on TV, they have like a whole, a whole, and I was like, oh, sweetie, no one's going to come watch your tennis lessons. <laughs> I don't even want to watch your tennis lessons. <laughs> like, is this going to be you and a coach? Like, no one's going to watch it. And she's like, oh, okay, I can do that. And so I asked Reagan, my six-year-old, I'm like, well, why do you want to play tennis? And without hesitation, she says, I want a trophy. <laughs> and she's like, I don't want that plate thing that the second, that the loser gets, basically, the second place person gets. I want the actual cup-looking thing, the trophy, so I can put it in my room and so everyone can see it. And, and we have a natural inclination to put things up like that that are valuable, right? We have a natural, a natural inclination to display things like that. Like she wanted to put this big trophy in a room so all her friends can see it, whatever. Um, and 
our natural inclination is to do that, to display things like that. And, and when it, but when it comes to our faith, for a lot of us, our natural inclination isn't to display it. It's to hide it. This is what this passage is about. He says, if you're a light, you're not going to put it underneath a basket. You're not going to hide it. You're actually going to display it. You're going to show it to other people. And the essence of this is you're valuable. Jesus makes you that way. As a kingdom citizen, when you are in Jesus, a follower of him, you are valuable. You're worth something like salt and light. And, and so often, we don't get that. We don't get that we're valuable, and we, and we hide that part, of, uh, that part of who we are. Like, we don't even... We don't even talk about Jesus. And it's probably because we don't talk to Jesus. And for a lot of us, we've, like I said, we've, we've hidden our faith. But if you can realize you're value, valuable, your life will be visible. And that's the bottom line for today. We'll take this throughout the entire sermon. When you realize you're valuable, your life will be visible. And so let's jump into this passage, beginning in verse 13, and, and just walk through this. He says... Jesus saying, he, remember, he just got out of the Beatitudes. He just said all these blessed statements. And this is in that context. They're not separate. It's flowing into this. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. Think about that for a second. It's a weird statement. Uh, Adam came into church, he said, when he was 23. If someone told him, now that you're in Jesus, you're the salt of the earth, think about what he would think then. He's like, what, what is that? What does that mean? So let's talk about what that means. What is salt used for? Salt, has, salt is used for three things in particular. Um, it's used to flavor things, right? That's how we use it today. Uh, it's used to uh, preserve good, uh, and it's used to prevent decay. So it's like rubbed on meat and things like that to, to stop it from decaying. Here he says, you're the salt of the earth. So why do we need salt for the earth? Well because we're trying to prevent decay, because we're trying to preserve what's good, because we're trying to add flavor. And when you think about salt, you add, thing, you add salt to things that are bland, that, can, that are decaying or can decay easily. And so when he says you're the salt of the earth, he's saying the, salt, the, the earth needs flavor, and you are that flavor. The church is that flavor. The earth is decaying. And you are put here to prevent that decay. And you're here to preserve what is good, what is true, what is honorable, what is holy. And we're, we're to do that. And, and, and here's the thing with, with, with salt. Well, actually, we'll get to that in a second. He says, so you're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored. And for many of us, we say, okay, we're the salt of the earth, but we've lost our taste. We've lost what we were meant to be. We've lost what made us unique and distinct. We've lost our flavor because we've just become like all the other flavors. And, and when he says you're the salt of the earth, Salt has, we, we just listed a few things it does, it also has this characteristic where it's soluble. 
right? Salt mixes into things. But salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It transforms what we put, what we put it into, right? Think of food and water. It transforms what, what that is. And so for us as believers, when we, when we go into the world, when we go into culture, we don't stop being salt. We're still salt. We don't assimilate. We begin to transform culture in the world and society around us. That's what's so huge for us about 225, about the space in St. Jamestown, is that we're using this to transform a community. We're using this to be salt in that community and to be light. And he says, Jesus says uh, in verse 13, he says, it's no longer good for anything. If you lost its saltiness, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And so if we've lost our saltiness as a church, as followers of Jesus, he says, we're no good in the kingdom. We're not good for anything in the kingdom of God. Remember, this is in the context of the kingdom of heaven. We might as well be thrown out because we're not doing what we're what we meant to do. And that's what I mean by visible. When we realize that we're valuable, when we realize that we add value, when we realize that we add flavor, when we realize we're supposed to, supposed to prevent decay or supposed to preserve what is good, then we realize we're valuable, and that makes our life visible. We're meant to step out into, into visibility to draw other people to Jesus. And then he picks up on that in verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. And when he says you here, and in the Greek, the you is in the emphatic position. So basically what he's saying is you and you alone. There's no one else who's doing this, guys. There's no one else who is supposed to be the salt of the world. There's no one else who's going to be the light of the world. You and you alone are the salt and the light. No one else is going to do this job, he's saying. It's only in us that this is a possibility. And it's only because we are in Jesus. And it's only because of the Beatitudes, which we'll rehash in a second. Remember, it's in that context. So when he says this, it's really emphatic. He says, look, this is your job. You're supposed to be visible. You're supposed to show people uh, who I am. And, and think about light. What, is, what does light do? Light provides uh, warmth. It, it, it makes us feel safe. Um, it, uh, the sunlight provides nutrients. Light uh, exposes darkness and reveals things that are hidden. Light also shows us a way out, right? If we're in darkness and we turn on a light, it's going to show us how to get, get out. So light is, light is a good thing here. And he says, it's a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And in verse 15, he says, and people don't light a lamp and put it under a basket. Because what's the point? He says they actually put it, they elevate it, and they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house, to everything, to people, to things. It, it shines light on everything in the house. And as the church, if we are the light of the world, we're supposed to be visible. We're supposed to be that. And the church has done a very poor job of that. We, we try to look like our culture. We try to look like our, our city. We try to attract people in that way. 
Whereas Jesus is saying we're supposed to be distinct. We're supposed to be unique. When you think about things that are valuable, it's normally things that are distinct and unique. Things that are ordinary and commonplace, they're not very valuable, right? Because everyone has them and everyone can get them. But things that are unique and distinct, those are the things that are of value. And he says that is who we're supposed to be. But for us, we're so often fighting the, the need to be like everyone else in our workplace, to, to get acceptance. We're, so, we're, we're, we're fighting to be like everyone else in our school because we want to be accepted and we want friends. We're, we want a relationship. We want, we're, and so we just look like the world. I was talking to a guy yesterday, and he, he was talking about his, his faith, his faith and, and this, this camp and that, that he, he used to work at, and it's a Christian camp, and found out his manager um, is, is a, a believer, but his manager didn't even know if there are any other believers in, in the workplace. And that can't be us. If we're Christians, then we need to be a light. We need to be salt. People should see us, and they should see our work ethic and how hard we work and, and our higher level of, respons of responsibility. They should see us and say, why are you like that? And we should point to Jesus, and we should always be pointing to Jesus. And, and they, should say, they should see us in our, 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 um, our, our willingness to step out in faith and take risks and, and to do things and take initiative without people asking us and say, why do you do things like that? And we should point to Jesus. And, and we should be open and honest about who we are. But instead, we don't realize how valued we are in the kingdom. That nobody else is going to do this. That it's our job. That God has placed you where you are in your workplace, in your, uh, in your neighborhood, in your family, to be a light to those people. To be salt. Now here's the thing. Some of us, think, think about lights. There's all kinds of different lights. Just ask a photographer or a videographer. We got a couple of those in the room. There's all kinds of different lights. Just ask Seth. He's a stickler on, <laughs> on lighting. Um, there's, there's soft light, right? I don't know what that means. There's, there's hard light. There's yellow light. There's white light. There's LEDs. There's fluorescence. There's halogens, compact fluorescence, incandescent, spotlight, sunlight, candlelight. Uh, floodlights, I mean, all, all, all kinds of different lights. So what kind of light is Jesus asking us to be? And what kind of light are we being? Because a lot of us, I think, are bug lights. <laughs> yeah. We attract people in somehow, and then we zap them. And, and they're like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. Um, and Jesus is showing us we're actually supposed to be a certain type of light. And, and we'll get into that in a second. But another thing is, a lot of us don't even realize we're in the dark. You're sitting here this morning, you might not even realize that you're in darkness. And a lot of us before Jesus, we didn't even realize we were in the dark. Have you ever sat in a room, and maybe you're watching TV or you're reading, or you're just sitting there in silence, I don't know, what you guys do in your free time, and... And it's, it's lit up by natural light. And then all of a sudden, like, you're sitting in darkness, and you don't realize it until someone else walks into the room. And they're like, why are you sitting in the dark? And then they turn on a light, and you're like, ah! You, like, turn that light off. 
And because you're sitting there in the darkness, and, you're, and as the sun has gone down, your eyes have just slowly adjusted, and you've become used to your surroundings. That's us in culture. We just, we've slowly adjusted to our culture, to where we're just sitting in darkness now, and we don't even realize it, and we're surrounded by darkness, and we don't realize that, that we're in it until someone comes in and they, they say, why are you sitting in the dark? And they flip on the light. And it's a, it's a stark contrast at first, right? It's, 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 a, um, it's a rough adjustment. It's a quick adjustment, but we welcome it too. We're like, oh, I can actually read this book now. <laughs> yeah, my eyes were straining. Um, this is actually better. And, and that should be us in the world. We're helping people see that they're actually in darkness. They don't realize it. So when he says you're the light of the world, it's not because there's anything special in us, guys. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you know there's nothing special about you apart from Jesus. It's in Jesus that we're now valuable. It's in Jesus that, that uh, we're blessed. It's in Jesus that we're loved, that we're forgiven, that, and we'll go through all these through the Sermon on the Mount. And, and you might be saying, well, yeah, I have, uh, you know, when you think about, when you think about salt and preserving, preserving what's good and preventing decay, all you have to do is read the news. I read the news, the world news every day. It's to keep, it's to give me a larger perspective. It's, it's to, to help me see why we're here, what, what God is doing in this world. We live in a global city. We should be aware of what's going on in the world. Um, I interact with so many people from so many different countries that I, I almost always have something to say to somebody because I do a lot of reading on this stuff um, to connect with people. Um, Karl Barth, he's one of the premier theologians in the 20th century, he says, as followers of Jesus, we should, we should um, read with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in, our, in the other hand. That's how we're going to live out our theology correctly. That's a side note. So, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Missy, what do my notes say? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we actually don't know. I'm going to make this up. So um, I, read the news, I read the news every day in order to get that perspective. And if you look at the news, the world is decaying. If the world was left on its own, it would just keep on decaying. And when Jesus says, you are the salt and you are the light, he says, no one else is going to do this, right? It's only the church. And we don't want to fall into cynicism. We don't want to say, ah, oh, well, whatever, because Jesus gives us hope. We are the hope of the world. Again, not because of anything in us, but because of what's in him. And here you might be saying, well, there's good things in the world too. I mean, the news, they just show bad things. You're kind of right. Um, because... Here's where we make the mistake. You're right, there's a lot of good in the world. You're wrong if you think it's because of us. It's not because of us. The only good that's in the world is because of the image of God in every single person. It's been corrupted, but it peeks its head out every now and then, even in, in people who aren't followers of Jesus. It's the image of God in us, and we can see the kingdom in pockets in our city. But for us who are the light of the world, who are the hope of the world in Christ Jesus, because Jesus is the light and the hope of the world, we get to turn on the light for people. We get to say, you're mainly in darkness, and we get to show them the way out. 
And, it, and, and here's the other thing. We often, Jesus talks about salt, then he talks about light. We often mix those things because light is often associated with truth, right? And what is often considered the light of the world? When you think of the light of the world, we often, especially in this post-enlightenment era, it's knowledge. It's cognition. It's the sciences. It's medicine, uh, medical advances. It's psychology. It's biology. It's psychiatry. It's, it's uh, archaeology. It's paleontology. It's, it's astronomy. This is now the era we live in, where knowledge is the light of the world. But Jesus says it's not about what you know, it's about who you are. And, and more clearly, it's about who I am, Jesus is saying. And when you're in me, now you are the light of the world. He says it's not about knowledge dissemination. It's about building your character. It's about being the Beatitudes here. So all that to say, how do we be salt and light? How do we do this? There's five things I want to give you guys this morning. One is, drum roll, there it is, character. I can't remember what number one was. <laughs> we were salt and light, and it was based on our character. I just briefly touched on that. Our mission statement at Trinity Life is discovering your identity and destiny in Christ in order to influence our city and the world. This is all about identity. This is all about who you are in Jesus. This is all about the Beatitudes. Are you, are you meek? Are you poor in spirit? Do you mourn? Are you persecuted for righteousness' sake? Are you pure in heart? Um, are, do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? What do you hunger and thirst for? You know, when I, I said last week, when Jesus is saying these, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And I can just see the crowd waiting for what he's going to say. And if we left it there, what would fill in that blank for you? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for... And for you, you might put in success. You might put in a relationship. You might put in uh, a promotion. You might put in money. You might put in approval of others. I hunger and thirst for approval of others. I hunger and thirst for whatever it is. And then Jesus says, for righteousness. How many of us actually hunger and thirst for righteousness? He says, that's the only thing that's going to satisfy you. And righteousness is found in him. Nowhere else, he says. So, that's what he's building in us, this character. So when we're salt and light, if we're not those things, we're not salt and light. If you're not meek, but you're, you're prideful and arrogant, you're not salt and light. You're to be trampled under people's feet. You're to be hid under a basket. If, if we're not persecuted for righteousness' sake, if we're not pure in heart, we're not being salt and light. We're not, we're, this is flowing right into that. So when we look at the Beatitudes, if we're not that, then we can't be salt and light. And remember last week I said the Beatitudes, oftentimes we pick and choose, we're like, oh, well, I can be that, and I'm that, I'm good at that, but I'm not good at that, okay. No, that's a package deal, guys. If you're a kingdom citizen, that is you. You are that. And then when you look at that list, if you're not that, then you may not be a kingdom citizen. And Jesus says, when you are in me, this is what the person in me looks like. And so, now you may struggle with certain things. I struggle with certain things in that list. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm working towards those. Those are in my heart. The Spirit is doing His work. So there is grace there. But He says, that is who we look like. And that's when, when our character looks like that, that's when we're salt and light. Number two is calling. Destiny in Christ 
in Christ. Your, des- your identity, we all have the same identity in Christ. And we all have the same destiny in Christ. You know, for a lot of you guys, um, a big question in your life is, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What's your purpose? Your purpose is to give glory and honor to God. Like, just start there. Like, if you can start there, then how you influence the city and the world through your personality, calling, gifts, all that, will come easy. If you can put your destiny in Christ first, and it's the same for everybody, to give glory and honor to God, which he's about to say in verse 16, then you'll figure out how to influence our city and the world. But let's just start with, with that calling, with that calling for each of us, that destiny in Christ. And that's how we begin to be salt and light. Number three, conscience. Okay, this is huge. Think about valuable things. With something that's valuable, we take care of it, right? Um, we, I was talking with Ned yesterday. <laughs> is Ned in here? There he is, yeah. And we were talking about covenant membership and how, I love how you're sitting in between Mac and Ruby, by the way. Good job, buddy. I, yeah, keep them separate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and talking to Ned just about covenant membership. And for each of our covenant members, we give them a, a Trinity Life hoodie and we give them a Trinity Life mug. And so if you're not a covenant member, that's your incentive <laughs> to get some good swag. Uh, and Ned jokingly said, I keep my Trinity Life mug in a glass case. <laughs> He's like, I don't use it. I just keep it in a glass case. And I was like, yeah, everyone should do that. You go to Adam's place and he's got like paintbrushes in it and like, I'm like, no one's going to trick out of that now. Um, but he uses it all the time. So whatever you want to use it for. You can put a plant in it. Uh, but that's the thing. With things of value, we protect them. We keep them. We try to, we don't want, you buy, a, you know, I know a guy, he bought like a brand new pair of Jordans, like $250 Jordans. And he came over to our house and he like put them on the stairs so that no one would step on them and, and all this stuff. And I was like, you shouldn't even be wearing those. Like, put them in a glass case. <laughs> um, and, and I get it. You want to protect those things. They're valuable. But if we are valuable, if you are valuable in the kingdom as a kingdom citizen, consider what you're putting in you. This is conscience. What are you, what are you putting into you that is not valuable, that is not beneficial? What do you look at? What do you listen to? What do you uh, eat? I mean, think, just think about that. Like, what are, you, what are you putting into your mind? And we don't treat ourselves as valuable, guys. We don't treat ourselves as valuable in the kingdom. We listen to whatever we want. We, we watch any movie. We watch any show. We eat whatever we want. And then we wonder why we don't live on mission for Jesus. And then we wonder why it's so hard to pray. We wonder why it's so hard to read our Bible. It's because we're not thinking on things that are pure, honorable, just, holy, trustworthy, of excellence. We're thinking of things that are rubbish and trash, and we're putting those things in our minds and in our hearts, and we're seeding those seeds of the enemy, not of the kingdom, into our minds, our hearts, and our souls. And, and so if, if we're going to be salt and light in this earth, we have to have a, a conscience that is reflective of who Christ is. Number four, collective. We don't do this alone. You're not alone. We don't live alone. This is, we were put in a church to do this together. Have you ever taken one grain of salt and put it on your food? 
Like, yeah, this needs a little flavor. Let me just get one. Yep, there we go. Perfect. No, salt comes like, you're like dousing it with salt, right? Um, like, I love salty stuff, so I'm just like, yeah, I, I love, yeah, I probably should stop eating so much salt. Um, but uh, you, salt is together. If you put one candle with another candle, it's like, it, it's like they feed off of each other and magnify each other, right? Um, and we're, that's how we are. As salt and light on this earth, we're meant to do this together. You don't have to be salt individually and light individually. We can do it collectively. Now, like I said, God has placed you in places that I'll never be. And he's placed me in places that you'll never be. And so we, there is some individual aspect to it, but we're all part of the same church, mission, vision, DNA, and we're doing this collectively in our city. And then the last thing is community. Community not meaning church community, insular community, but like out, our city, our community. Remember, discovering identity in Christ, destiny in Christ, influencing, influencing our city and our world. And that's what community is about. That's, what, um, that's how we started this church. That's, that's our, our heart. We want to reach our city. We want to we reach out. We want to influence our city through our domains, through our gifts, through our passions. And that's how we can actually be salt. Kingdom, we are in the kingdom. We are disciples of the kingdom, of the king, who engage society. And out of that arises the church, which is the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and the hope of the world. Light is a very prominent motif and theme throughout the scriptures. Beginning in Genesis 1, light, the, God's first act of creation is to speak light into existence. And he says, let there be light. And it's, his first, it's the first thing he does. And it says the light comes into the darkness. And then in Genesis 3, just two chapters later, <laughs> we pretty much ruin all of it. We, we sin enters into the world. Adam and Eve fail, and they sin. As a result, we're born into sin and darkness. And then we get to Isaiah 49, 6, and God has this amazing plan to bring light back into the world. He's trying to, the entire scriptures, he's trying to get us back to that creation that he says was good over and over again, and it was very good when he created us. He's trying to get us back to that. And, and so the scriptures are, are getting us there, getting us there. We're looking for someone to come into the world to show us the light, to be this light. And Isaiah 49, 6 happens, and, and God says to his people, he says, you will be a light to the nations. You are meant to be that. You are meant to be visible. You are meant to show people the way. You are meant to show people out of darkness. You are meant to reveal what was in darkness, expose it and what was hidden, and show people how to get out of it. You were designed for that. It was always supposed to be like that. And then we get to John chapter 1, and uh, it speaks about Jesus who's coming into the world. And he says, he was the light and the life of men. He was the light and the life of everyone. And he was meant to show everyone the way out. He was meant to show everyone the way to God. He was meant to, to bring us out of the darkness. And it says the darkness shall not overcome him. It, the darkness will not overcome the light. And he's meant to be the light of the world. And Jesus even says it later in John. He says, I am the light of the world. And that's why we're the light. 
And then Paul picks up on this in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5, he says, because of all this, guess what? You're children of light. You should walk as children of light. Stop walking in the darkness. You've been brought out of the darkness. You're supposed to be children of light, and, and what light does is it makes things visible. And he said, you're supposed to take what's in the darkness, put it into the light, and when it becomes visible, he says, guess what, guys? It doesn't just become visible where we can see it. It actually becomes light. It becomes light. And so we're making our light bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, and then Peter picks up on this in, first, in, in the book of First Peter, and he says, you are valuable. He says, you're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You're a people for God's own possession. You're a holy nation. And he says, God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And he says what, what Jesus says here in verse 16, that when we do that, when they see our good works, when we shine our light before others, and they see our good works, it gives glory to God, our Father who's in heaven. And, and Peter says that. He says, let your good deeds shine before men that they may glorify God on the day of visitation. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 5, the scriptures end with saying, darkness shall be no more. Because light is going to be everywhere. And do you guys know where that light comes from? It doesn't come from the sun. There is no more sun. It doesn't come from candlelight. It doesn't come from anything else. It comes from the glory of God. It says that God himself will be our light. And so when Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world, that is what we're getting to. That is what we've entered into, that Trinitarian light and life that we have stepped into as followers of Jesus. That's what we're trying to get the world to. And that's what we're inviting people into. And so this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're going to be light, you have to be visible. You have to be visible. You don't have to be offensive, but you have to be visible and point people to Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, we want to invite you into the light and out of the darkness. We want you to just take a step closer into the light, and it's going to feel a little bright at first. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable at first. It's going to feel like you're a little bit exposed, but then you'll start to feel warmth and safety and, and fed and and salt, eventually. And so this morning, um, as we jump into communion, I want you to consider those two things. Because this represents the body of Christ that was broken, the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And before you take this this morning, I want you to think, how am I being salt? How am I giving glory to God? And ask that question if you're a follower of Jesus. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, feel free to refrain. But maybe this morning, this is your first step into the light, where you take communion and say, yeah, I want to step into the light. Let's pray.
Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for what you've called us into. God, we're, we're nothing without you. But in you, Jesus, we're so valuable because you want to use us and you want to you um, use us to call people out of darkness. And God, we can't do that on our own. We need your spirit to do that. And so empower us, show us how to do that in our city to give glory and honor to you, not for our glory, but for your glory, not for our praise, but for your praise and for your exaltation, Lord Jesus. We celebrate you now. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon. Thank you.